the good. The bad. And the remake. Spoilers in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Good, the Bad and the Remake podcast, where we watch some classic films, some not so great, and their respective remakes. Will the recreation be an unmake, an agreemake, or amazing? My name is Neil, and these are my co-hosts. Hey, I'm Catherine. Hello, I am Ben. So today we have episode seven, The Hitcher. Here are our thoughts on the original, our expectations for the remake, and the one thing we will take from the remake into the original. So we're now on episode seven, guys, The Hitcher. Of course, we watched two films, uh, but there can only be one synopsis. So Ben, tell our listeners about the films, please. A teen, or young adult, driving across the New Mexico desert, stops to pick up a hitcher, who turns out to be dangerous loner, John Ryder, a psychopathic serial killer. As a deadly game of cat and mouse between the two develops, the body count mounts, and Ryder forces his opponent to choose between their own life, killing him, and risking innocent lives. I think you've summed it up pretty well there, Ben. Cheers. So, Catherine, these films, of course, released some years apart. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about, uh, about each, please? Okay, so the original Hitcher, released in 1986, cost $6 million, which seems about right, I think. But if you think about other films that we looked at in 1986, like Little Shop of Horrors was $40 million. Mm-hmm. Robocop, 1987, the year after, was, I think, 13 million. But then they both have a lot more special effects, so maybe it is about right. I don't know. It didn't make much, though. 5.8 million, so it didn't make its money back. Ouch. Yeah. It, it was not critically well-received at all. It was generally panned. The remake was 2007. cost 10 million. Now, 21 years later, with a 4 million difference, I... I, I can't work that out, really. That's surprising. I would have said it costs more than that. So that's, yeah. that's quite impressive, actually. Yeah, because there's a lot more kind of flashbang in this one, I, I thought. So mm. I expected that that kind of budget to be bigger. However, its worldwide gross was 25.4 million. It's almost tripled its, yeah. its cost. Directed by Dave Myers, mainly known for his music video direction. He won 12 MTV Awards and a Grammy, but I don't really recognise anything sort of movie-wise that he's made. The original was Robert Harmon, and again, I don't recognise anything else that he's made after this, but he's done a lot of TV films with Tom Selleck rather than movie films. Are those the Jesse Stones, by any chance? Yes, the Jesse Stones. Right, okay. Yeah, one, one thing about the original, um, so the, the cinematographer, I'm sure you'll know this, Ben, uh, went on to, to be a cinematographer on many, many films. Who's that? I didn't see. John Seal. Yes, I did recognise the name. Go on, what's he done? Mad Max. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. And he came out of retirement to do that. That was his final yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, he, so, yeah, no, John Seal, you know, we'll, we'll get into the film shortly, but he did Talented Mr. Ripley, English Patient, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's, t- uh, Sorcerer's Stone, Rain Man, mm. Ed Poet Society. So yeah, it's done a host of uh, mm. host of things. Very good. So the films themselves, of course, we uh, touched on our kind of histories with it in the previous episode, but just to remind uh, our listeners, so I'd never seen either, and uh, how this kind of came about and came on the list was actually for me searching for a Blade Runner Facebook group. Uh, when I came across a post from Ben uh, referencing Rook Howard's performance. So, yep, never seen either. Um, what about you, Catherine? No, well, I, I'm generally not a horror person. I, I, don't look, I don't watch those films, but I had seen the remake of this one, but not the original, which is different to all of the other films that we've watched so far. So I was, I was curious to see how I would view it having, because all the others I've seen the original or, or hadn't seen either. And I wondered if that kind of always skewed my view of the remake. So I was curious to see how it would affect having seen the remake and not the original. And yourself, Ben? I I do think I had seen the remake. I think I saw it on Sky 
movies like 2008, 2009, something like that. I think I was probably drunk. I don't remember it very well. I'd seen the original when it was, and it was another one that was on sort of late night Channel 4 in the 90s. And it was just one of those great little gems that you hit upon. And uh, the longer the film went on, the more I was like, this is great. Why have I never heard of this before? So I'm quite familiar with the original, but not the remake so much. So that leaves us to discuss, or segues nicely into the uh, into the original film then. So uh, to kick us off, I want to kind of uh, give my initial thoughts. So having uh, not seen either, went in pretty blind, uh, pretty much off Ben's Facebook post where he said Rutger Hauer was pretty good in it. And uh, it's fair to say he's exceptional. Uh, I think the film is very, very good. I'm interested to hear about what research on the critiques reviews and why they maybe didn't rate it so highly but i think the thing that sets it off right from the start you got the guy in the car he's falling asleep it's dark it's raining and then pulls over uh, to pick this guy up and there's no no other kind of setup there's no kind of other characterization within like minutes rucker yeah. Hauer is a menacing menacing bastard totally. <laughs> and totally. then yeah. and it just goes from there and it's 90 minutes of that so no, I thought it was it was it was very very good. I think Rutger Hauer was fantastic in it. There's just so many uh, little moments. That pretty early on, he's a bit creepy and a bit weird uh, when he first gets in the car, and then very quickly turns into a very very menacing guy who pulls out the knife, uh, puts it between his legs, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the film progresses and, and moves on. Uh, and uh, Rutger Hauer is almost kind of a, he's almost like a Michael Myers without a mask in the way he kind of moves around. You don't see him moving a lot. He just kind of appears in places, yeah. uh, which I thought was, was, was great. What, what did make me laugh actually about the film was obviously set in this rural, is it Texas? It's something like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Texas, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's set in this like rural in the middle of nowhere, but there was just gas stations everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there must be about yeah. six or seven of them within within walking distance, but no, I, I thought it, I thought the film was 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 brilliant, and the infamous I guess scene uh, that actually I was surprised you didn't see a lot of. Mm. There's a lot of in your head. The infamous scene here. Spoiler alert. So the girl Nash is trapped between two lorry trucks, uh, and Rutger Hauer's character John is accelerating while uh, Jim has to decide whether to shoot him, and if he shoots him, uh, then. The uh, foot will come off the clutch and the car will go anyway. Uh, and obviously she gets torn in half, uh, but you don't actually see uh, the actual tearing. I was just going to say it's so much better for it, I think. I, I always think it's you, you always imagine things so much worse in your head. And I, I thought the film was better for it, for not seeing that, personally. I think, I think you do hear it though, right? There's kind of a squelching, tearing sound. Am I right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know it's happened. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that's quite interesting. We'll, we'll come on to, to the remake later, but you actually don't see, again, because I've watched these in order, and don't get too confused, but you don't actually see that much gore. You see the threatening of it. You see the, you know what's happened. Like when the, he, uh, Jim sees the family car with Rutger Hauer in the back and he's got the teddy bear and the kids in there and stuff. And then he sees the car on the side of the road. He approaches it. And I think, does blood fall out of the door? There's just some blood on the dripping or something like that, but you don't actually see it in the car. So a lot of it is, you know, how menacing and evil is this guy? You know, how uh, violent is he? You know, what is, I guess, his motivation, which is a whole other piece that I think is quite interesting because he sort of doesn't have one for what he's doing, but maybe what he's doing to uh, to Jim, he does because he's trying to frame him for for the I guess the acts that he has done. Uh, but I've talked a lot about the film there. So, Catherine, what about your um, sort of thoughts on the original? Um, well, before I go into what I thought about it, just picking up on what you said about it not being quite as violent as maybe it could have been, or you expected it to be. It went back for rewrites time and time again to remove the gore. It was it was just considered no that's that's too much it's too much it's too much it kept going back and being re- rewritten the finger that you that he found that jim halsey found in the oh, yeah. Yeah. in his chips that was supposed to be an eyeball in his cheeseburger um you were supposed to see the family the kids dead stabbed to death throat slit all that kind of thing there was there was supposed to be a lot more gore and violence there was supposed to be an on-screen decapitation all that kind of thing but it, they were forced to remove it all yeah, it could have been. It could have been a lot more violent. I think this is a fantastic film. I I don't consider it a horror 
really. I, you, you guys will know more. I'm, I don't consider myself an expert on these things at all. So if you tell me it's a horror, that's okay. But I don't think it's a horror. It's more like a psychological thriller. Yeah. That's how yeah, I definitely. see it. Yeah, yeah, and it was from the moment it started, it was tense. The sparse Texan landscape, it was kind of, it set you up to be unsettled. I thought you just knew. I, I always think when the sparse landscape like that, it's very, you know, something's going to happen. There's something on the horizon. What what I loved about it was the arc that Jim had, just from being this mm-hmm. innocent, innocent guy, just wanting to help a guy out and the journey that he takes that Rutger Hauer's John Ryder forces him to take this massive journey within himself throughout the, the arc of the film. And I thought it was brilliant. It's the toll that that was taken on him. It was taken on his psyche as everything was just stripped away from it. All it, everything he believed in the safe, what happens, you know, in the general, what happens in a good society, every place of safety that he went to, he was there this this guy chasing him was there he, he took away everything that he could rely on and just changed him from an innocent guy into sort of a well in the end he, he kills him doesn't he he takes matters into his own hands before then Rutger Hauer's character is chasing him and everything that happens to him is not decided by him it's decided by Rutger Hauer but the the end he, he takes matters into his own hands and he says no this is not what's going to happen I'm going to go after him because this guy is almost supernatural. He mm. will escape. I thought it was a great film. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. You, you, like between you, you've covered a lot of the things that I was thinking watching it is that I do put it in the, the horror category in my head, but you're right. As you watch it, it is really a, a, just a, a quite a sparse thriller. It's almost as simple as like a Hitchcock kind of thriller, but with a darker edge. You could even make an argument that it's it's half an action film as well. You know, there's cars rolling around all over the place. There's things blowing up. They did a lot with the money. But I think the other thing that's interesting that you both have said is that while it might not strictly be a horror film, Neil, you made the comparison to The Shape or Mike Myers from Halloween. Michael Myers. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Not, not Mike Myers. Don't care. <laughs> and you, you said that, like, Catherine, that um, Ryder takes on almost a supernatural quality. And both of those things fit squarely in the horror genre. And I do think Rutger Hauer is playing Ryder, whether he was directed to or whether it was his idea or whatever. He did play him, in my opinion, as a specter of death. Like, he is death incarnate. He's, he's almost the devil playing with... Uh, Jim. The other thing that I think is great about this film is just, like you said, Neil, how how quickly it gets on the road. By like 25 minutes in, we've, we fully understand all of the interplay between Ryder and Jim. We know what the stakes are. We know what's going to happen. They've already had a fight. He's kicked him out of the car. The petrol station's been blown up. And then they have that sit down at the diner. And you realize that mm. Rutger Hauer is a genuine psychopath. And I love his performance in this because he doesn't play it like a maniac. He plays it as someone almost disinterested in this, you know, abysmal thing that he's going to do. And I genuinely think it's one of the great, it's one of the great villains from the sort of cheaper end of, of Hollywood in the eighties. I think he absolutely nails the part, but because there's so much in that first 25 minutes and it's not a long film, it's only an hour 35, hour 40, something like that. Mm. There's all this room in the second half. Like it stretches a little bit in the second half. And it because you've got these wide open spaces and this very pared down story and only three or four main characters, it does take on a slightly more like mythological feel as a part of that. And I don't know if that's just a really happy accident that they stumbled across because they had to, like you say, cut all of this other action and gore and stuff out of it. I think with every subsequent viewing of this film, I, I've ranked it a little bit higher. I, I think you're right. I think this is a, a fantastic film. And still, despite having a sequel and a remake, sorely underseen. Uh, and I would strongly recommend anyone who's interested in a, a film like Roadkill or Joyride. It had two different um, titles. Or Breakdown, the Kurt Russell film. This is in that mold. It's someone from the suburbs, stranded in the desert, and bad shit's happening and there's cars and violence like that's all you need to know it's a great film check it out 
Yeah, I, I also thought, I know Rutger Hauer's performance was just spectacular, but I did think C. Thomas Howell, I thought he was really good as well. Like Especially the part midway through when he's just in the absolute bowels of despair. I think he's taken the cops hostage and Rutger Hauer's character is, I, I'm never going to remember his name. I know it's John something basically, has killed the two cops. He's, he said, okay, he's, he's asked to speak to someone in a higher position of authority. He said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I want to come in. He's like, yeah, okay, come in. You know, just, we'll get you in, we'll get this sorted out. And as soon as that happens, John kills the two cops. Yeah. And he's like, he's just left in this. This is every time he thinks he's in a safe space, something happens to just take the floor out from under him. He gets out of the car and just like runs into the desert and you can see the, the absolute despair. I think he plays that so well. You really feel his absolute desperation, his loneliness. I mean, he starts off quite lonely driving a car across country, but he goes through the whole of this alone. He has nobody and nobody believes him. Everything that happens to him, nobody is taking him seriously. Nobody believes him and he is utterly alone apart from... He's got Rutger Hauer's character, in a way, has his back. Just in a, a really bizarre, like, the moment he kicked the guy out of the car, it was like game on. He went, okay, I'm not just going to kill you like I've killed everyone else. I'm going to play with you. I'm going to torture you. And I'm going to make you into something else. He almost takes ownership of him then, because whenever the cops are there when they you know there's a potential that they're going to kill him they're going to take him away they're going to do anything Ruka Hauer comes in and stops it hmm. you know he and he's almost I don't think he's looking out for him I mean he just wants him alive so he can continue playing with him and so can he can yeah. reach his end game whatever that is yeah but it is a kind of ownership over him and and he basically he is his only I don't want to say friends that's not what I mean but he has nobody else. He's only constant, maybe. Apart, well... Yeah, Nash. Okay, there's Nash. Nash believes him. Because she, she yeah, saves not, him, not doesn't she? La- yeah, it's not till later. And I think just a couple of things you said but, there, Catherine. So there's a bit where uh, he's in the police station and he's he's explaining why he's going on this trip and he, uh, he's delivering the car, basically. Is that is that the idea? Um, yes, yeah, so yeah, the like, drive away. Yeah. Yes, he's like, oh, call the guy at the other end. You know, they'll explain and yeah. they don't answer. And call my brother, he's definitely at home and he doesn't answer either. So it's really a good point you made there, Catherine, that he is alone. And, and even Nash, you know, yeah, she chatted to him and made him some burger and chips, but <coughs> it took a lot away from him. him. But she's taken away from him. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. But I do, I, li- I like the dynamic between him and Nash, played by very young Jennifer Jason Lee, because she, she should just be another. Gee, shucks, mister, are you in trouble? You know, kind of gal. And the moment when she pulls the gun on the, the cops, that bit where the cop says to Jim, you spit on my wrist, and he's looking for a justifiable homicide. Uh, that was quite chilling, like given events that have happened in, you know, 2020 in America. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, it, it speaks to what the great quality of this film is. There's one line there, you spit on my wrist. And you know everything that's going on in that dynamic. Then, like that cop is going to kill him. It, it, you know, it's great. It's it's a it's an easy thing to do to have another character come in and, and save the day. But it's great that that's the moment that Jennifer Jason Lee steps up because she sees Jim's not the bad guy here. Uh, it's really cool. And yeah, it's it's one of the most merciless things to have a character like that that you care about so much be murdered you know in the third act in the most horrific way imaginable like it that's a that's a brilliant scene top to bottom when the cops come and get jim and they walk him out to where Ryder is to say we need your help yeah yeah and you know like shit's gone to the next level here and it does and it doesn't disappoint at all that's brilliant filmmaking absolutely the remake starring sean bean as, uh, as John Ryder. Obviously, you'd seen it, Catherine, and Ben, you vaguely remember mm. possibly seeing it. Do you have any kind of expectations going in? You know, we, we were all gushing about the original. Was there anything you, like Catherine, for example, did you um, not remember it, or what, what was your kind yeah, of thoughts I, going in? I didn't really remember it, which made me think it was probably just a, yeah, fine film. So that was my expectation. But I thought there must be a reason why they're remaking it. 
I, I wanted to see it again because I hadn't realised it was a remake when I first saw it and I hadn't, hadn't been that interested in it really anyway. So I wanted to see how it was different because I didn't remember it that well. So didn't have high expectations because, you know, you when we were curating this list originally and you're kind of looking up kind of uh, how films are rated, it, it's not received all that well. But I was curious about Sean Bean. I thought, you know, he could do something quite, uh, quite interesting with with the John character, and you know how different are they going to do it? You know, of course they bring it up to two thousand and seven, and there's a few things that are included within it, which we'll touch on. But I didn't have high expectations, to be honest. You know, it was we'll see what we think in a second. What about you, Ben? Pretty much what you said. My main thing going into it was I don't think it had much of a chance of being as good as the original. But I was very interested to see what Sean Bean would do with that part because I think that's a good bit of casting, actually. Um, you're never going to get anyone quite like Rutger Hauer. So uh, going in that slightly different direction, getting Sean Bean, I thought, yeah, I really want to see what he does with the part. That was it, really. So the remake then. Uh, so the film uh, opens up and immediately, Ugh. you know, it's a very different film. <laughs> so With the computer-generated hair. <laughs> As in rabbit, not hair on someone's Oh, right, head. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So immediately the, the guy is is driving, I think, if I recall correctly, similar kind of opening to the film, uh, but he's actually driving to pick up his girlfriend from college, I guess. Very, very straight away, this completely changes the dynamic of the film. Yeah. Uh, and we'll probably get into a lot of the details later, but now it's not just Jim alone, it's Jim and girlfriend. As they're riding along... Very, very similar. They see a guy in the road. They swerve uh, swerve out the way of him, uh, but they don't pick him up. So instead, it's the, if I recall correctly, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's kind of thinking about, mm, should we pick them up? And the girl's like, no, no, we, sh- we shouldn't. We definitely shouldn't. It's Somebody else will come. It's fine. You know, we just crack on. And they end up at a gas station, and then that's when Sean Bean uh, turns up uh, and this scene, this whole scene is weird, right? <laughs> because she needs to go to the I, toilet. I really love the guy in the in the gas station. I thought he was the best thing in the film. Yeah, the creepy, um, the yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. Ca- checkout guy. It, it, yeah, so he was a creepy checkout guy, but I don't know what the point was. No, <laughs> there, there was no point to it. No. She she went to um she went to the toilet. J- John, sorry, then comes in. Uh, he's chatting to to Jim, and he's you know Jim's apologising and said, "Oh, we'll give you a lift then. Go on." And that's when the hitcher gets in the car. What, what you don't know the point of of just that guy, or you don't know the point of the whole scene in the gas station. Oh, I don't know the point of the the, the guy in the. Well, it was because the way I read it was, if there's the two of them in the car, and I think she's quite rightly like, no, we're not going to pick up this stranger that is just standing there in the middle of the road in the rain. This creepy guy. We're not going to do it. I think that's quite a normal reaction to have. So they needed a way to get him into the car. So they needed I I, I basically that. social norm, isn't it? This guy, they've sort of almost been made to feel bad if they don't pick him up. Hmm. No, but I think the, the thing is there's so much screen time for that guy who should be oh. a one-line character. And he's got that whole thing about like, what is he, I've raised donkeys or something, did he say? <laughs> yeah, trying to, milk, trying to milk them in his yeah. backyard. Yeah. So I've got this lazy... And like... It's it's weird, and I loved its weirdness, but it's so absent from the rest of the film. The rest of the film is so yeah. generic. That was actually the moment in the film where I thought, there might be something good in this, because, uh, you know, they're actually doing, they're attempting to try and create some abnormal tension here before Ryder even shows up, and that's quite cool. But yeah, other than that, it didn't really make much sense. Yes, yeah. no, I like that. And, and uh, there was another little thing in this scene as well where um, I think the, the store guy gives, gives the girl uh, a key, and, and the key's like on some kind of Barbie doll thing, um, which f- shows up later in the film as well, at the family car. Uh, I, did another, it, I didn't spot it. There is a Barbie doll. And I'm like, and I've written in my notes saying, oh, maybe this is something. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just a couple of Barbie dolls knocking around. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And then, of course, John gets in the car. It plays out quite similar. I think Sean Bean does a pretty good job, actually, of, of being menacing. So the girl's sat in the back with the headphones on. Uh, and uh, he's chatting. I think Jim's trying to chat to him, understand where he is, where he's going. John's not really giving much away, and, and he says something along the lines of, "Oh, you know, what's what's your girlfriend like to fuck or something like that?" And that's when Jim goes, "What? What?" And the girl in the back can't hear any of this. She's got her headphones in, 
so yeah, that, I guess in that kind of opening part then, guys, what's your sort of views on it? Well, I thought Sean Bean was, he just played it very differently. He was still menacing, still unsettling, but he was, to me, he was more of a, maybe a hard ex-military man gone rogue rather than an unhinged psychopathic killer. That's what it was to me. It was very different and, and maybe it needed to be, you know, it, like, like you said, Ben, he was never going to be Rutger Hauer. Well, immediately, as, as you pointed out, the, the two of them meant that the, they took out that whole loneliness vibe of the film. It completely changed the mood of the film. You didn't have that sort of complete alone desperation from either of them. Then when they've tried to turn it around and make Sophia Bush, the female character, make her the protagonist... It didn't happen till the very end, and I just felt yeah, it yeah. needed to happen. If if that's how they were going to play it, it needed to happen a lot earlier. And also, they needed to make her a bit more badass. Because, well, I mean, I've I've got two problems with it really. One, <laughs> traveling in the tiny denim skirt. This is just a personal thing, but I don't think anyone who's going on a long road trip, any girl is going to sit there in a tiny denim skirt if she's going to be putting her legs up on the dashboard and that kind of thing. It's just... But of course, she needed to be there in that tiny denim skirt that she's in throughout the whole film. That's because okay. Michael, Michael Bay asked her to be. Because that's what Michael Bay does. <laughs> so, but, you know, fine. That it is what it is. It's Hollywood, so I'm not going to take a massive issue with it. That's what happens. She made no decisions at all. She was just carried along with whatever happened to her. And even at the end, because they changed that end bit, where she didn't really make the decision to go after him until the, right at the very end. And when she did, she basically sentenced the detective that was with her to death. Yeah. Because she, she took his, the only protection he had, he was stuck. The, the crash made him sort of trapped his legs on, in the car. She took his weapon to go and chase after him, Sean Bean. I will never remember. It's John, what is it? John, it's John Ryder, so just call him John Sean Ryder. Ryder. Sean Ryder. <laughs> so so when the, at, at the very end scene, when the crash happens, the transport that Sean Bean's in, John Ryder's in, crashes, he's managed to escape, and she decides at that moment, because they're following in the vehicle behind, that crashes, the detective's trapped inside, his legs are, are crushed, she takes his weapon, the only protection he has, to go and chase after John Ryder, which sentences him to death, because when John Ryder gets to him, yeah, just straight shot to the head. But she gets, she gets to the vehicle and then messes it up completely. I, I, just, I just don't have any words for how bad that scene is. <laughs> what a useless piece of shit she is. And, <laughs> no, but honest, honestly... You're on John Ryder's side when he says, like, you, you total waste or whatever. <laughs> you yeah, agree with him, yeah. basically. At that point, because what is she? That's the moment when you were expected to go, okay, she's going to take control now. This is the moment when she's taking the gun. She's going to go and sort him out. And she doesn't. She messes it up and ends up getting trapped inside. The, he traps her inside the transport and then sets it alight or blows it up. She manages to escape from that, though, without a scratch on it. Which is mental, yeah. But a, a short denim skirt still intact. Um, <laughs> and eventually she picks up the shotgun and shoots him and kills him. But she didn't earn that. She looked into that totally. Oh, I just hated her in that moment. I hated her. So, <laughs> I think it, it's it's really, really good point. Because in the original, of course, John is arrested. He's taken one way in the police van. And it literally shows the car turn right or left. And then Jim... Uh, goes the other way and they're going very much their separate ways and it's uh, Jim who takes the decision to say look if I don't do anything about this he doesn't say this it's all in his head mm -hmm. if I don't do anything yeah. about this right this guy's gonna fucking get me anyway so he takes control of the situation he takes the car uh, takes the policeman's gun takes the car and then drives to kill the hitcher and chases him down whereas as Catherine said there you know in this one the car's just following along and, and it's to hit the hitch who breaks out which by the way we've touched on a few things about things you see and things you don't 
Um, again, you see him literally breaking out of the cuffs, and he's breaking his hands to, to get out. Good, uh, good moment, actually. I have to say, yeah. it went on a little long, but it was a good, it was a good creepy moment. Yeah, because it, was, it didn't, but... it, it didn't show in the original. It didn't actually show he got out how he got out of his cuffs, and that I liked that bit. Yeah, she, well, so Sophia Bosch is um, of One Tree Hill. Uh, she was in a few horror films. John Tucker must die, and a couple of others. Uh, she was of that era, and I think has gone very much back to TV. Looking at her, her credits since, not the greatest of acting chops. You know, she was she was just there. To, let's be blunt about it. She was there to be the pretty girlfriend uh, and and have a, a half kind of badass moment at the end. So yeah, Ben, what, what about your thoughts on the the, the remake? Then anything you? Well. I think she is a real problem. Uh, I, I don't want to pick on Sophia Bush, but I just didn't believe her for a second in this film. But also the dynamic that's set up where you've, you're gender flipping the protagonist, basically, aren't you? And you're saying that the part that C. Thomas Howell played in the original, Sophia Bush is going to be playing this one. Cool. I'm up for that. Except she doesn't. Like Catherine said, the boyfriend is around for far too long, and he does... He has all the agency. He makes most of the decisions. Even if she's there to say you made the wrong decision, he's still the one driving the action forward. And that's just wrong. It should be her. And the film would be a a half a star better if she was the lead and not him. I think what's really interesting, Catherine, and what you said about the cuts and the rewrites to the original script, that sort of makes more sense of the remake for me. I didn't know that. Um, but the original writer, Eric Red, is one of the credited writers on the remake as well. And I wonder if he saw this as an opportunity to do the more violent film that he wanted to do. Because I was quite shocked that we saw a, a dead child's body in this. And, and you know, the mum's throat completely slit. And the bit with the dad as he's sort of slowly dying and they're trying to save him. And uh, he starts praying. I thought that was quite effective in its own way. But it's a, it's a shame that you have these sort of moments like like Sean Bean breaking his thumb and ripping up his own wrist to try and get out of the, the cuffs, the the weird gas station clerk. <laughs> and th- there are these moments in what is otherwise a completely bland film. I don't know how this is 25 minutes shorter than the original and yet feels twice as long. It, it's covering all of the same ground as the original film in less time and yet somehow it's more boring and it puts more into it i mean the start of it like when we start in the original you're straight into it you meet ruka hauer in the first couple of minutes he's in the car whereas this takes its time you know he's picking her up from university that you know she's getting changed in the car blah 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 and it everything seems to take longer yeah so now <clears throat> i want to talk about sean bean because i thought he was good i thought there were moments that he had in this that were very effective uh, and he plays that off-kilter, again, in a similar vein to Rutger Hauer, at least, not going completely over the top when he's playing that part, but showing you enough that this guy is unhinged. But the reason that it doesn't work quite as, mu- as well, or it doesn't work anywhere near as well as in the original film, he's not on screen enough. He's missing from large portions of the film, or at least it felt that way to me. And they turn him, especially I'm thinking in the cop sequence where they both get arrested and he essentially breaks them out so he can carry on his game. Turn him into a pretty generic sort of slasher villain. Yeah, yeah. And it loses all... I didn't feel at any point that he was anything other than a serial killer. Whereas at least in the original, you get that feeling that he could actually be, you know, some sort of divine force or, you know, pure maniacal evil or something. It's it's interesting with that because in the original, when they're having the Jim and John are in the coffee shop scene I think it is or the diner scene and and you know he's kind of asking why are you doing this why are you doing this he's like oh you're intelligent you can figure it out yeah and you know I touched on it you know I think there is an element of him trying to frame him but I think the way both of you two have put it where you've said you know it's a bit of a game to him you know it's the game is it's not so he can get away with you know John can get away with all the murders he's done it's because quite fun to make you know to frame this young kid for all the bad shit I've done uh, in the remake uh, I think uh, Sophia Bush literally says the line, he's, he's trying to frame you. That's yeah. why he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she literally calls out. And there's also, uh, when you mentioned the, uh, the scene when they're in the, the, the police station. So in the remake, Jim is in the interview in the one-way kind of mirror. 
and John draws like a bloody smiley face or something on the on the window. And the reason that plays out, and it does does play out quite nicely actually towards you know twenty minutes later, I think it is, where they're going. Well, if these kids are the one who's doing all these terrible deeds and murdered this family, then who drew this? Because she was one place, he was another. There's got to be a third person. Except that doesn't really make sense, though. No, it doesn't really make sense. (laughs) Because he doesn't know the timeline. He doesn't know that that face was drawn on the window while she was in the interrogation room. If they're crazy kids that have just killed a bunch of cops and killed a family earlier, why not draw a bloody face on him there? Yeah, and and so this is what? Probably two-thirds, maybe halfway, two-thirds away from the film. Uh, Whereas in the original, I don't think it was until right at the very end did they believe Jim. You know, it was only really right at the very end. Well, in when they first took him in and they were interviewing him and then they um, they stuck him in the cell and said, oh, we've got someone coming, someone from the FBI coming to speak to you tomorrow. And then they took him away to the cell. The guy who'd been interviewing did say, that kid's not a killer. He didn't kill anyone. Right. But he doesn't get a chance to tell anyone because two hours uh, later he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing that I like about the original as well is I'm not saying it's realistic, but at least there is an effort to make these characters believable. That's more how a cop would behave than the cops in the remake behave, which is a Hollywood version of a cop. Like I like Neil McDonough, the guy who plays the, um, the sheriff in the remake, but he's got some fucking awful lines in this. And why when he's on the radio to her, does he just suddenly Lose it and start smashing up the radio against the wall. It's just so he's got something to do, I think, because he's bored yeah. shitless. So getting towards the end of the film, so we mentioned about the switch roles. We do have to talk about the truck scene. And now it is Jim, the guy who is strapped between the two trucks. And the scene plays out pretty similar in that, you know, if, if uh, Grace, the girl, was to shoot John, then his foot comes off the clutch and blah, blah, blah. blah. We actually see the body being split in half um i didn't you didn't know you looked away um, oh really <laughs> yeah yeah um, I, have, I have seen it before though yeah so it was that was pretty cool i thought it was a know? good effect i thought it was a good yeah. effect and i thought that actually that sequence was decent i didn't when it started i didn't like the choice to not have the cops already be there and then when they did turn up and they're all shouting at her to lower the gun because they still think she's the crazy one. I mm. thought, actually, that's pretty cool. I like that. That was a good twist. And the sequence still works. The problem for me, again, is Sophia Bush. I just did not feel her anguish in that scene at all. But I don't think it was a bad decision for once to show the body ripping in half. I thought that was a really satisfying moment, and it was very good effect in that moment as well. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I just didn't want to see it. Thank you very much. Fair enough. But no, I don't mind it being there. That's just a personal yeah, yeah. choice for yeah. me. I felt with this film that it was, it became more of a, it felt more like a revenge film. Yep. Like when they didn't pick him up after nearly running him over, he decided then to go, to go in on them. Because that's the only motivation I could find in this film, potentially. Whereas in the original, it was more of a, this kid's got balls. He's kicked me out of the car. He's yeah. fought back. I'm interested. Yeah, he's not just a victim. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing I'll say about the ending, I agree with everything that you said, Catherine. I thought that sequence, although you know, cars flipping down a highway is always fun to watch, I thought that bit at the end was stupid. And her not getting blown up in the van makes no sense whatsoever. But the ultimate insult at the end is she's got Sean Bean on his knees. She's hit him with a couple of shells already into his bulletproof vest. Okay. You realize the moment's come. She's going to shoot him in the head. She's got a shotgun pointed at his head. And I thought, well, we're, we're already in a much more bloody film than the original was. They're, they're going for a higher certificate than your average, uh, you know, teen horror sort of thing. We've seen the dude get ripped in half. This is going to be great. This is going to be a great effect. Sean, head, Sean Bean's head's going to explode. It was just like being shot with a pistol. It was stupid. And you really, really want that moment. I don't want to sound like, you know, a vampire, but you do want that moment of release. And you, you want to you, you see his head, like, blow to pieces at that moment. It was so unsatisfying. Also, if you've been in her position and this guy has chased you relentlessly, has not stopped, 
he somehow has appeared wherever you have been. You want to make sure he is dead. You are going to shoot him in the head. You're not going to take the risk of shooting him in his bulletproof vest. You are going to shoot him in the head. Yeah. Uh, this is one scene actually I want to um, draw parallels to, which is just before the truck scene. Uh, so this is where I guess they're in the motel. In the original, it's uh, Nash and Jim. Uh, and Jim uh, goes and gets a shower uh, and cleaned up and stuff while Nash is in bed. Uh, roles reversed in the remake, so it is Grace who's in the shower and um, Jim who's in bed. The thing I want to mention, and it's actually more uh, in reference to the to the original, to be fair, you're trained throughout the film uh, of, of John who's driving this big truck and the headlights and stuff, and Jim's in the shower, Nash is in bed, headlights and a roaring engines outside and it drives past and as it drives past rock how is just there in the shadows it's like, yeah. yeah that's cool oh yeah that's, that's really a great cool. moment yeah that is because you're just you're just trained he's outside oh shit you know oh, god, yeah god he's gonna come again now he's already in the room mate it's, that's a <laughs> proper shit your pants moment yeah 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 and then it plays out very similarly then in, in terms of the uh, john gets in bed with the girl and, and stuff and uh, and frightens her when that's all happening how frustrating is it? It keeps cutting back to um, Jim in the shower, getting dressed, drying himself off, tying his shoelaces so slowly. And you know in the next room, Ruka Howe is in there yeah. abducting Nash. And, and then it just cuts back to the shower and he's in there tying his shoelaces. I'm like, no, stop being so <laughs> fucking slow. It's just so tense. I did. Just one last point on this one. I did like, um, so I think he, he, he cottoned on because he heard the TV come on. Um, so he, he was like, oh, right, okay. She's asleep and the TV's on, you know, is there someone there, whatever. So he, he needs to grab something to protect himself. So he just, <laughs> he just grabs a towel rail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, what are you going to do with that, mate? Sorry, I don't know if you made the point that you were going to make about the remake version of that scene, though, but oh, go on. Sorry. W- w- one of the problems, I think, again, that I had with this was it was really unnecessary to make John Ryder have these lines that made him sound like a sexual deviant or maybe a you know a rapist murderer or something. Like you said, he has that line about how long you've been fucking her friend or whatever when he first picks him up. But then in the motel, he jumps on Grace and doesn't he say something to her like, yeah, I'm really horny too, or something. There's a really weird moment, and and yeah, it just yeah. it really cheapened, you know, this great character to just make him another psycho of the week, I guess. So to to bookend the the film, uh, the original has the uh, the striking of a match right at the start, and then that's how it ends. So Jim just has his smoke. Uh, he lights the match, has his smoke, and then the credits roll, and it kind of nicely bookends the start and the beginning and the end. Uh, whereas the remake, it just it just kind of ends. Does he, he kill her and then it ends, if yeah. I remember rightly? She there's there's no... Because I guess in the original, you, you'd left her thinking, okay, well, Jim now has had all this happen. He's stolen a cop car. All right, he's killed the, the threat. The threat is now dead, but he's still alone. Oh, he's still got nobody. Yeah, he's screwed. What the hell's... Realistically, what's going to happen to him after that film? Yeah. Maybe whereas, we should watch The Hitcher 2 to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I can probably guess where it's going to go. Have you seen it, Ben? Have no, I haven't. I haven't. No. Isn't that the point? No, no I'm saying isn't, that's the point. Yeah. Isn't that, that the point yeah. of what Rutger Howard did to him? Yeah, he turned him into him, basically, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he's screwed now. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's a point when they're sitting in the diner, and Rutger Howard says to him, "How do you like Shitsville?" And it just made me think: Has something happened to him in his life where somebody has turned his life upside down, turns it to shit? Probably a woman. And this is, and this is what he's, you know, is it a perpetual cycle in a way? Mm. Just, yeah. just, I don't actually think it is part of the movie, but it's just that how you find in Shitsville, or how do you like Shitsville? And it just made me think he knows, he knows what Shitsville is, you know, he knows what he's doing to this guy. Yeah, because the remake just ends. Doesn't you know what what's going to happen to Sophia Bush now? Probably go back to One Tree Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't a scene where, like, her boyfriend's top half just wheeled over in a wheelchair. <laughs> Baby, you won't believe it. I survived. <laughs> any last thoughts before we move on to uh, kind of wrap up on the films? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, on the original, the guy who played the sheriff, do you recognize him? The guy who takes Thomas Howell over to the truck when Nash is tied between the trucks. 
No. Got quite a big role in it. He is in a lot of the Frank Darabont movies. So he plays the prosecuting attorney who sends Tim Robbins to prison at the beginning of Shawshank. He's in The Green Mile. He's in The Mist. He's a really great character actor. One of my notes I just want to share with you. It's the last thing I wrote on the original film. Rutger Hauer is very moist throughout the film. (laughs) He's just wet in every single scene. Um, And then the last thing on the remake, if there's one good thing that came out of it, is that the end credits reminded me that How We Operate by Gomez slaps. That is a great song. Any last thoughts, Catherine? I did enjoy one line in the remake. It's after, after they've been sort of sprung from the jail cell by way of murder of all the cops and they escape out into the, the, the hills of New Mexico because the remake's set in New Mexico and not Texas because mm. basically Texas didn't make narratives. It didn't make sense for him to be in Texas if he was driving from Chicago to California. It was a bit sure. of a gaff. So they fixed that in the, in the remake. But So when they escape off into the New Mexico hills and she says, we need to get help, and Jim, sorry, says, he killed the help. I just like that line, he killed mm. the help. Yeah. There we go. One so. positive from the film. I know I've kind of gone in on this film, but I still quite enjoyed it in a way. Maybe mm, not enjoyed. It was fine. It, I didn't find it awful. It was watchable. And if I had to, I'd watch it again. It, 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 for me, it wasn't a Point Break remake. I agree with that. And I think Platinum Dunes, which was Michael Bay's horror division uh, they they did a bunch of these low budget very glossy get some sexy teens in a horror movie kids will eat it up sort of thing and it wasn't that successful but i think if i was one of those teenagers that he was pandering to and i'd gone and seen this although it is a generic movie if i hadn't seen the original i think there's enough stuff in it that i would still pique my interest you know and i go you know that that was that was kind of better than your average bullshit that i see you know, so I, I agree with you. It's watchable. One interesting thing you, you said there. Do you know the remake? Was it rated 15 or an 18? Uh, it's 18 here. Yeah, because that was it 15 in, in America then, do we know? Well, it's rated that, R, so it's different, isn't oh, okay. it? Okay. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, I can, I can see how a teenager going on a date with a girlfriend or whatever, this is go and see a horror film. Yeah. Let's go and, see, go, go and see someone get torn in half. Yeah, I don't exactly. think it could have been a fifteen. Well, no, no. What that's what I'm saying. I think I think the point is that perhaps its failure is the fact that it was it was rated too high, and therefore it, could it have worked as a fifteen? Yeah, but well, the, the, the American perhaps... rating system is is very different, different, though. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you're of an age where you can go and see Paranormal Activity, you can also go and see this movie. That's the way that it worked, basically. And and what you're saying is, if it had been a fifteen, it might have been more successful. But it, it actually more than doubled its take at the box True. office it, but it was critically panned so i don't think being a 15 would have helped that well on that let's segue into wrapping up with uh our kind of reviews feedback and more stats and facts so Catherine, you've shared a lot of interesting bits and pieces thus far uh, any other snippets you'd like to to share with us you've found about either film i can tell you who was originally slated to pay, play whatever his name was Ryder. john riser because originally he'd been described as um, skeletal in the screenplay. So David Bowie, Sting, Harry Dean Stanton. I was going to say Harry Steen, Dean Stanton, yeah. <laughs> they were all considered. Um, but Sam Elliott was actually cast in the role until Ooh. scheduling conflicts, yeah. Sam Elliott. I think, it I think he would have played a very, very different... Yeah, I'm into killer. it though. I'm into it. Mm, I'm I'm glad it was Rutger Hauer. I would watch all of those versions apart from the one <laughs> with Sting. Sting, yeah. Was he even? Was he even? Did he ever? Has he ever had any acting credits? Yeah, know. yeah. He was in David Lynch's Dune. He was in Lockstock. Don't forget. I don't know if it's gossip, but I've got some info on the writer Eric Red that you discussed mm-hmm. earlier, Ben. I mean, he's he co-wrote Near Dark with Catherine Bigelow. He's, Classic. Love that film. But a lot of his work is very, very gory. Um, he wrote Body Parts, which Jeffrey Dahmer, when he was arrested, said it was his favourite film and he watches it on repeat, mm-hmm. which I think says a lot. But he actually, in May of 2000, he drove his truck into a bar and killed two people on purpose, picked up a piece of glass from the crash and tried to kill himself, tried to slash his own throat. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was in 2000. 
Um, since then, he stated, oh, actually, I blacked out. But the, the doctor who signed it off was a dentist, not a doctor. <laughs> and he's kind of avoided paying back compensation and things like that by moving from state to state. And I know they're very odd legal rules in the US because all the states have different rules but claiming bankruptcy in one state then moving to a different state so yeah I think I think there's quite an interesting interesting history there with Eric Red and there's obviously some very dark stuff going on in his head I think. Wowza Uh, I've got a little fact for you did you know that the cinematographer of the original film went on to shoot Mad Max Fury Road? Wowzers yeah how about that? Did you learn that Ben? I just came to me. <laughs> and and in terms of, uh, I guess you mentioned the critical reception uh, earlier, Catherine. We didn't go into the detail. Um, what were the I guess, scores on the doors? Well, the, for the original, the IMDb score is seven point two. Rotten Tomatoes is sixty one percent, and Metacritic is thirty two. Wow. So yeah, I'm. But it, I mean, it was it was panned when it came out. And I, I don't, for the life of me, know why. Roger Ebert gave it zero. Zero? Yeah. I, I, no, that's crazy. How do, how do you get to that? And I've got to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you this um, review because I disagree with every single word of this. So Janet Maslin. Of the original, sorry. Of the original, yeah. yeah. Janet Maslin of the New York Times said, she criticised the lack of originality and intensity what and wrote mr Harmon displays a, a much surer hand for action than for character though even some of the action footage here looks meaninglessly overblown i i disagree with every single mm. word of that yeah there's I a lot that, of films out there that you could say that about and i don't think this is one of them i thought the characterization was fantastic yeah it was good i think just a couple of things on that because i've i've not read all the reviews and certainly looked into it but the roger ebert one definitely stands out of being a zero and it ben i suggest reading it because it's interesting why he uh, gives it a zero in his okay. rationale and reasoning i guess was it almost were people expecting what what i was expecting which was a kind of a hitchhiker jason halloween type movie you know without a mask yeah and maybe. and and what it actually is if you dig into it you know as a piece of film, you mentioned the cinematographer earlier, touched on it a few times. Did Mad Max Fury Road, did you know? Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. But it's brilliantly shot. You know, it some is. of the shots are amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, technically, it's very good. The performances are excellent. Maybe an element of misunderstanding. Maybe it was the era that it came out in. But like you said, Ben, if you're listening to this and haven't watched it, there's not a huge amount to spoil, I guess. Um, it's still absolutely worth watching. Uh, because it is very good and that's probably best reflected in the imdb score you know i think imdb is a fair anything above an eight is just generally speaking amazing yeah anything yeah. above seven is good though isn't it yeah, yeah really really good so now i was going to ask you to discuss the remake well the remake the imdb score was 5.6 which still quite high would, it's still yeah i would have thought it'd be a little bit lower but that's i suppose i'm going off my own viewpoint um rotten tomatoes was 19 percent though yeah but that's the critic score the audience score is 52 percent, and that might be like you were talking about before the teenage base that was it was aimed at but metacritic was 28 which is a similar score to the 32 of the original i'm Mm. i'm shocked by that i am shocked it didn't get good reviews when it came out and i'm going to read you this one from the guardian because i having disagreed with every word of the last one that i read you i agree with every single word of this one don't even slow down for this one there you go. I like that. Um, I do have another fact, though. Did you know the cinematographer for this film um, went on to be the cinematographer for Mad Max? Oh, John yeah. Seal? Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Incredible. Came out of retirement for it, you know. He did, yeah. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Just a little nugget for you there. So in terms of the reviews, then, we've given our verbal thoughts on the uh, on the films there, and, of course, we need to... Critique and review. So we'll start with our three-word reviews to kick us off. Uh, ben. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you know about this, but there's a, an online community that likes to chart the films of Sean Bean with a very simple two-stage rating system. Does Sean Bean die or does Sean Bean not die? Because he dies in most of his films. So my three-word review of this film is, yep, Sean dies. Brilliant. Excellent. Catherine? Mine is ignore social norms if you if you're not nice if you don't 
if you're not trying to do a good thing and pick people up, if you're not forced into giving someone a ride in a gas station because they make you feel bad and that's what you should be doing, you'll be fine. Ignore <laughs> social norms. I'm not sure that's a great message to take away from this film. <laughs> Don't help your fellow man. Hey, every even Nash, when she helps out, she pays for it. She pays for it in the, the biggest way possible. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Don't help uh, people. Yeah, just um, like just it. sort yourself out. To me, it's pretty straightforward. Watch, watch original instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I mean, you know, very, very nicely segueing into the actual our rating system. Um, so, Ben, remind our listeners of our phenomenal rating system. Well, if the remake has justified its existence, but probably not much more, then we would say that's an remake. If it's amazing and it's improved on the original in almost every way, then it's remazing. And uh, if it's this film, it's an unmake. I agree. I disagree. Oh, okay. controversial. Go on then. I, I'd say it was an remake. It's all right. And, I mean, I know I slated it quite a lot, but I would watch it again. I, I'd always choose the original, but I thought it was okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it. It's, no, I didn't hate it. It's not terrible, but it doesn't do enough to justify its existence for me, I don't think, which is why I said it's an unmake. It, it, I, I was quite bored watching this, I have to say. Yeah, I thought it was awful. <laughs> I, probably, I probably kept it well hidden. <laughs> yeah. So on, on the uh, uh, review aggregating site Letterboxd, if you want to follow Barney Stuter, <laughs> uh, you will find my review will be up on there. Probably when this recording goes out, it's, it's better than the Point Break remake, but yeah, that does not say a is. lot. Yeah. It does not say a lot. It's, it's a poorly made uh, film. You know, it would be interesting to know what 15 to 20 year olds would have thought of the film at the time it came out. I wonder, do, do you remember... Earlier I said, I wonder how it would affect how I view the film because I saw the remake first. That has impressioned upon me somewhat. Mm. I don't know. I was going to maybe bring this up at the end of our recording sessions and say, are there any films that you would like, having come to the end now, are there any films that you would like to sort of readjust your score? Because I definitely have one. And you just, you confirming what, um, a remazing was made me realise because you said that it outstrips the original it's far better and I gave Insomnia a remazing and I don't feel that way about it I don't think okay. I don't think it is far better I don't think Christopher Nolan's version is far better than the original I think they're on a par they're very different films but I know we can't adjust it now I, I think it's it's contextual I, I agree with you I don't think Nolan's film is so much better than the original I think it's very different, but I think there was a lot of care and thought went into it that just elevated it slightly, for me anyway. And so I think I don't have a problem with you changing your score at all, but I wonder if maybe like you scoring it amazing when we recorded was because of the conversation that we had around it. I think that's likely. And I had just come off, you know, it had been the film, I'd seen it two days before or something like that. And it was still very fresh in my mind. And it is a great film. Hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, want to change my score now i don't want to go back on that and i think like you say neil i think we need to stick to the kind of great okay awful but uh if you wanted to come up with a couple of extra puns for season two we could always turn it into a five point system oh we can have a think about that yeah um but yeah i just i don't know i've just been thinking about how i probably would have changed it to an agree make maybe Mm. but then that doesn't say how good the Nolan version is. So I think you're right. I should stick to the amazing. I just wish I'd made clear that I don't find it much better than the original. If I was to rate the original, uh, which I will be, I'm leaning towards it's a four-star film. It's a very, very good film. I think it's just, I'm interested in what Ben said about multiple watches. Maybe it etches itself up into kind of four and a half, five status. The remake is, is one and a half. Uh, but we do have to take something from the remake and put it into the original. Uh, so I'm going to break trend here, and I am going to go first. Um, <clears throat> the reason I'm going to go first is because I think you guys, well, certainly Ben, might steal my one. So I am going to take... I think we might all have the same. The truck splitting in half and actually seeing it. Yep, same. Oh, no, I think not the same. 
I think for the reason why I think I, I do like the fact in the original that a lot of it is in your head and you don't actually see a lot of the gore. But I think having that payoff would have been great for that film. I, uh, um, yeah, I think it would have been more shocking as well. Yeah, yeah, because you've not seen, you've seen the threat of it and you've seen the aftermath only in the police station. You didn't see the family. But when you're going to, and when you're going to watch in the film, it's the first time you see that film, you would never expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't no. really expect it. Of course, of course they're going to rescue her. Yeah. They're not going to split her in half, yeah. So what about you guys? Or do I well, have to choose a different one now? I don't say, I don't think so. You can both have the same. Which you have, you, you sure it's going to be that, Ben? I, I wrote the exact words, the body explosion gore. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Catherine? Um, it is difficult because I know you, you think this is a four to four and a half star film. I think it's a five. I thought it was perfect. I, I don't, agree. Yeah. There's no areas. I just thought every beat was perfect. But in the remake where, he's, where Sean Bean's getting out of his handcuffs, he breaks his thumbs and he eviscerates his, his hands and his wrist and his arm to get out of those cuffs. I thought that was, that was effective. And I can't remember seeing how he got out of his cuffs in the original although does that add you to the whole it. yeah yeah does that add to the whole sort of supernatural vibe mm. of him i don't know but i i would take that out of the remake and put it in the original there we go so just, just seeing as you all are scoring the films on five point system now yeah, uh, sorry. I, 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 I agree i would actually say the the original hitcher is one of those that's become a bit of a cult classic for me so i would say it's pushing a five star the remake's probably a two yeah. Maybe what I didn't say when I was giving reviews is that it, it wasn't well received when it came out as the, the box office shows, but since then it has had a revival. It has almost sort of become that kind of cult classic status. It has been reviewed much, much better in, in later years. I'll be curious to seek out the sequel, actually. I'm not expecting great things from it, but it would be interesting to see because it's got to see Thomas Hall in. Jim is in it, so... Yeah. You know, what is he and who does he become and how does it play out? But that's the wrap on The Hitcher. Watch the original. It is a very, very good film. Do seek it out. I believe, looking into it, it may well get a UK or, or certainly American release or an English release, if you like. <clears throat> so keep an eye out for that. But our next film is the early 90s, actually released in 1990, uh, Flatliners. And the remake, which has came out about, three four years ago maybe believe it or not it's called flatliners so guys uh both those films there Catherine, have you seen either or um yes i've seen the original don't really remember it and i haven't seen the remake and i'm a bit meh about both of them and yourself ben yeah i'm interested to go back to um uh... The original uh, Flatliners, which I probably haven't seen in 25 years, I believe it was directed by Joel Schumacher, was it not? Who recently passed away? Yeah. Yes. So the, yeah. the, I'll be I'll be watching this as a tribute to him. The remake I know was not well received and lost a lot of money, so I don't have high expectations for it. I haven't seen it, but I guess if I'm going to be fair, all I'd say is I want the remake to just have one cool idea that's not in the original film, because if there's nothing else you can say about Flatliners, it's got a great concept at the heart of it. Yeah, I don't remember a huge amount, uh, the original that is. I have seen it. You know, it was, I guess, kind of young, hot stuff at the time. The Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts. The Brat yeah. Pack. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's got, you know, this really, really interesting cast and lineup and a great concept, as Ben said, and... The remake completely passed you by. I didn't even know it had been remade. So I'm very curious to see uh, what it does. Is it more, I guess, insomnia level of remake? Well, that is a remake of a foreign film, which is a bit different. Uh, or is it more point break? I, I would, yeah, I'd probably set my expectations at point break and go from there. <laughs> there we go. So if you would like to watch along with us, of course, um, you can seek these out, I'm sure, from DVD, Blu-rays, or have you. Uh, but if you want to watch digitally, the streaming and digital aggregating site Just Watch uh, always helps us out where to source these films. Uh, you can find the original. It's $4.99 on Amazon and Google, and it's $7.99 across most of the other stores. Or you can rent it at £3.49. 
The remake is five ninety nine on Amazon uh, and and the Sky Store, uh, with the rest being seven ninety nine. Uh, and again, it seems to be a standard kind of rental price of three pound forty nine for for a lot of films. Uh, interestingly, you can also rent a four K version of the remake if you are so inclined, uh, and that is three pound forty nine to rent uh, or seven ninety nine to uh, buy on the Apple Store. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna splash out. Why not? <clears throat> give give the film a good even. chance. Yeah. There you go. Well, I've got, um, so my uh, eBay copies arrived the other day. So have you got either or copy, Ben? No, I haven't. No? Splash out, mate. Get yourself a little 4K. I'm going to. Yeah. Juno. <laughs> yeah. Do it for Juno. Do it for Juno. So if you are going to watch along and would like to get in touch, uh, Ben, remind our listeners how to find us and reach out. We're on the Facebooks. Good, bad remake. Just search for the Good, the Bad, and Remake. We're on Twitter, at Good, Bad, Remake. And why don't you just send us a little email to tell us how much you love us and what a great job we're doing and send us some other thoughts about remakes as well to goodbadremake at gmail.com. Fantastic. So thank you for that, Ben. Do please get in touch. You know, we've got uh, an interesting uh, kind of small community uh, bustling on Facebook. Hopefully we can grow that. Uh, through uh, through multiple uh, episodes, uh, only a few to go now, though, guys. We've got mm. what seven is sorry, no, episode eight is Flatliners. Then we have uh, Invasion of Body Snatchers. That's the one, and Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven. And then a little bonus: the other thing we need from you, listeners. What film do you want us to discuss that has been remade that is not on our list? So send that to goodbadremake at gmail.com and we're going to put a poll up on Facebook, I imagine. So thank you very much for listening. Do keep the feedback coming in and uh, we look forward to you tuning in next week. Bye. Don't pick anyone up. So that just <laughs> what the fuck? I just I just looked at your face. Thanks. <laughs> you just started smirking because you knew I was going to say goodbye. It's in my head now. Right? Okay. You really hate saying goodbye, don't you? I think yeah. I think we should just take one of the ones you've already done. I just use that as a standard and just no, stick. No, no, no. I want him. Let's... I want him to learn to how to say goodbye. <laughs> Right, okay.